kind of just get to the stage where we, we, just, we just live because we're not dead. And we just kind of, we just go through our day hoping somehow tomorrow is going to be better. Um, and actually we're tired. We're weary. There's been suffering in our lives. It's, it's just, it's, it's not been great. And I don't want to take you to that place. I want to pull you out. I want to take you out. And I, I really feel like, you know, your suffering can have a purpose. If like the man that we are going to talk about today, if you live on purpose. That's a little free one. So I'm going to tell you a story about a guy. Most of us know this guy. And I'll reveal his name to you later. So I don't want to get to go into the specifics yet, but I'm going to talk about it. So this is guy is a solid like He's a solid young man. He's got some dreams and visions for his life, and he's not afraid to share these dreams and visions with others. In fact, he does. He comes from a very good family, and you know it, his life seems like it would be going well. So it could be any of us in this place over here. But he, he, doesn't, he doesn't have a handle on his mouth. So he, he says some stuff. And the people that he says some stuff to, they don't like it. They don't appreciate what this guy's saying. So this family that he comes from is a good family. But they decide, well, you know what, actually, we don't like what you have to say, so we're going to take you out. We're going to kill you. And then one of the, the, the brothers kind of says, no, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. Maybe we shouldn't kill him. Let's just sell him into slavery. So... Um, I know some of us have had a hard time. Have any of us here been sold into slavery? Not? Okay, okay. Just wanted to settle that. Thank God. Praise God for that. None of us. So we can establish this guy's had a slightly harder life than us. All right. So that's, 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 about, that's the, the, the baseline that we want to do. Um, and as I talk you through this man's story, I'm hoping that you're going to see two themes. One, that his life was not without suffering. And two, that God was with him. Irrespective of where he was, God was with him. So he gets sold into slavery, and they ship him off to a different country, and uh, he gets bought by an army captain, uh, the, 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 the head of the army guard, and comes into this man's service, and very soon, because God is with him, he has favor on his life, and he starts to come through the ranks. He's growing. So, and then he gets put in charge of all of the household affairs for this army captain. And it's good. His, his career path is on the up. You know, he's getting seen by the right people. He's serving in a, in, a, in a powerful man's home. He has authority. He has responsibility. And his life, while it started a little bit rocky because he got sold off, is actually going okay. So he would be thinking, cool, you know, I'm doing all right, yeah, I've made it through some trials and temptations, I'm fighting the good fight, and you know, my life's going well. But, despite the fact that he's being noticed by his boss and his co-workers, and they're going, geez, this is an awesome guy, he also gets noticed by the army commander's wife. She notices him. And she decides to come with a couple of propositions of her own. And him being a man of faith and a man of principle, 
And because he has a strong faith in the Lord, he goes, no, 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 I, I can't accept these proposals. I can't be part of what you're asking me to do. And the result of that is that he actually gets accused of rape. And when he gets accused of rape, this army captain that loved him so much is livid and has him thrown in prison. Savory, I'm rocking and rolling. I'm really doing well. Prison. Okay, slavery in prison. Maybe you've got one or two guys that have been in prison. Don't put your hands up. It's okay. God, is, God has redeemed you and we love you anyway. And remember I said to you, there's two themes here. One is that he's had suffering and two, that God's with him. So you, would, you might be saying to me, but Sean, if God's with him, why is he going to prison? Like, how could God be with you if you're going to prison? And it's a great question. Thank you for asking. I appreciate it. And I'm going to tell you why. We will get there. Hold tight. So this guy, this friend of ours, he's in lockdown. But not COVID lockdown, like lockdown, lockdown. Like this guy's behind prison, prison, prison. You know? And it wasn't like today's prisons where you get three square meals a day and a little bit of yard time. These were prisons that were dark. They were dank. If people from outside didn't bring you food, you wouldn't eat you would have to basically do all of your bodily functions in there. There was no bucket. It was not a nice place to be. And you might say to me, Sean, but if God is with that person, why would he be there? But I want to tell you he was there because God was with him. So he's not loving love. This is not great. And if it was me, I know actually how flawed I am. I know how, yes, you put that squeeze on me and I would be like, God... This lady came and made an indecent proposal. And because I love you, I said, no thanks. Surely that's integrity. Surely that's deserving of a good result. I've chosen the right path. And here I am in prison sitting next to these smelly oaks. But God is with him. And very, very soon, the prison warden looks at this guy and goes, but there's something different about this man. And he starts to put him in charge of all of the other prisoners. And we'll read about it a little bit later on. It says that he was so good at what he did that the prison warden didn't even bother with him. He didn't even think about him. He just knew things are getting taken care of because this man is just getting things done. So he's starting to, even in prison, he's starting to climb the ranks again. There's favor of God on him. There's the, the life of God is on him. And he's just going around and he's actually, you know, I think maybe he got moved to a better cell and they gave him a little bucket and, you know, he got a piece of bread or something. I don't know how it works. And he's starting to do okay again in prison. And the next minute, this guy arrives into the prison with him. And this guy is a servant to a very high-ranking government official. And he did something naughty that this official didn't like and the guy decides, well, that's it, you're going through to prison. I'm going to send you off. And they get to talking and they build a bit of a relationship in the time that they're there. And one night, this high-ranking official's servant comes into, the, into him and says, I've had a dream, and I don't know what this dream means. Now, our friend has got a gift that he's been given by the Lord. He's a dreamer. He can interpret dreams. So he goes, actually, you know what? Let me help you. I think I know what this dream means. And he tells him what the dream means. And a couple of days later, exactly what he told him comes to fruition. 
And the thing that he said to him is, you're going to be let go. This high-ranking official is going to forgive you, and he's going to call you back into his service. You're going to be let go. And it happens. And our friend must be going, yes, I got it right. Awesome. I heard the Lord, and he says to the guy, listen, when you go out, just remember me. Put in a good word with your boss. Because your boss has got the authority to say, listen, let this guy, just put in a good word for me, Kev, please, all right, just tell him. And the guy says, no, no, no problem, no problem, I'll do it. But unfortunately, the guy gets out of jail, and he's so happy to be out of jail that he forgets completely about our friend for two years. So he's sitting on the cusp of his bed every day going, like, oh, where's this I can arrive? You know, like, when am I getting my pardon? And, you know, it's day one and day two, and then it's day 372, and then it's day 600 and something, and he's just going, sheepers, God, where are you? Like, I really thought you gave me this gift. I used my gift. Once again, I did the right thing. I was faithful with the things that you've given me, and nothing. And just when he thinks, I would imagine, just when he thinks, well, that's it. I'm, I'm lost. Nothing's happening here. That high-ranking official has a dream. And he can't understand this dream, but he knows it's significant. Have you guys ever had a prophetic dream? Like, you know this is from God. You know there's something significant here. And you're like puzzling with it, and you just can't get it right. Well, this guy's had that. And, he, and all of a sudden, the servant goes, oh, yeah, there's that dude in prison. Uh, I know a guy. So he goes to him, he says, hey boss, I know this guy. He, he, I'm sure he can help you. So obviously the high-ranking official, he's going like, oh, get him out here. So they get him out, they give him a quick bath and a shave and put some yo's on and they get him into the presence and he comes into the presence of his high-ranking official once again using his God-given talents despite his circumstances and he shares what is going to happen. He shares what God has shown this person in the dream and actually, as a result of that, he gets thrust into the second most powerful person in that country. He goes from prison to being the second most influential person in that country. Can you believe that? It's incredible. So if, we had, if, if that's where the story ended, it would actually be amazing, right? It would be like Hollywood would make a movie of it. Maybe Russell Crowe would play the guy and there'd be a couple of other people and, and we'd, have our, we'd have our Hollywood feel-good story. Right? I, I would be happy with that. Was the, if that was the full stop, I'd go, cool, this is a good story. Nice one. Thanks for sharing. But God's not done with this man yet. So remember his family that sold him into slavery all those years before. Well, now there's this drought and this famine that comes on the country, and they have no food. And the only country that does have food is where our friend is, where he's now the second in charge. So when they have to come and get the food, they have to come and ask him. And when they first come in, because he's now, you know, he's rolling in proper clothing here, and they're just a bunch of farmers, they don't recognize him initially. And as they come into his presence, they're asking him for some food, I want to ask you, how would you respond? I've got a brother and a sister, my sister serving in kids' church. If they sold me into slavery, and all of a sudden they're coming to me and they're going, listen, Sean, I need some food. I'm hungry. <laughs> I don't know that I'm going to go and buy them some McDonald's. I'm, I'm probably not. And this guy actually, he, he doesn't immediately respond like it. He actually, he allows them to feel a little bit of the pain. 
He allows them to actually go back and have a think about their situation. And at one point, they actually go, the reason we're in trouble here actually is because of what we did back then. So he doesn't run away from their sin. He allows them to experience the pain and the, and, and the, the consequence of their sin. But ultimately, what happens is they come back to him and he forgives them and then he blesses them to the point where this high-ranking official comes to the family and he says, you can go and choose the best property that you want. It's yours. So if you want Lindudno or Camps Bay or wherever it is that you feel is Cape Constantia, that's your land. For free. It's yours. Isn't that amazing? This man has had a life of suffering directly resulting from these guys' actions. And instead of smiting them, he had the authority to kill them and the entire families. He doesn't do that. He actually says, come, not only will I feed you, but my boss said I can give you any land you want. And he brings them into a place, not only of reconciliation, but of exceeding abundance and blessing. So, I know I'm a master storyteller and that you guys are completely confused as to who we're talking about here. But for those of you who don't know, it's Joseph. And you can read about everything that I've said in Genesis 37 to uh, uh, chapter 37 to chapter 50. And I want to encourage you, go and read it again through a little bit of the lens that I've given it. And put yourself into some of those scenarios. Please, guys, when you read the Bible, remember it's a letter written to you. Don't just read it like it's Cosmo magazine. Please, in fact, don't read Cosmo magazine. I don't know. I've never read it. But go and read that again. Genesis 37 to 50. Go and read that story and allow yourself to connect with the emotions that this man must have felt through his life. And then allow yourself to connect with the feelings that you've had through your life. I know for many of us that have been here, life hasn't always been easy. And there's been suffering in your life. And, and, and you know what? I love you all very much. And I wish I could wrap you all in cotton wool. But there's more suffering to come. Sorry to be the bearer of bad news. You can go and read Revelation. There's some funky things that are going to happen. And we're going to be the target. But you know what? Like our friend Joseph, God is with us. He is with us. And everything and anything that there is to come, be it imprisonment, slavery, false accusations, family hating us and wanting to kill us, if God is with us, who can be against us? So the point that I've, and the reason that I've labored this out is I want you to experience the ups and downs that this man would have, and see that your life is not unique. My life is not unique. And just because God's with us doesn't mean that it's going to be plain sailing. We are going to have some terrible lows in our lives. Maybe you are in the pit right now. Can I encourage you today, just like Joseph, God is with you. But I also want to give you some practical handles. Because I've given you the so, now I have to give you the so what. What do we do with this? What can we learn from this amazing man, Joseph? who started out a little bit arrogant and actually just thought he was going to flex his muscles a bit and tell his brothers, actually, yeah, it's all going to bow down to me, which is not the way we should do things. He didn't process that well, but he made some problems. So there's three lessons that I want to talk to us about this morning. 
The first lesson is that God is with him and he endured because of it. Everywhere that he was, from slavery to prison, to serving as the second in command to Potiphar, um, and then serving the, the Pharaoh of Egypt, Joseph needed the power of God within him to handle what was thrown at him. When that temptation came to him with Potiphar's wife, he needed the strength to overcome. He needed the conviction. He needed God to be with him to be able to move on. And I believe that something in Joseph, deep in his, in his spirit, must, he must have been a man of incredible understanding and conviction to be able to stay the course the way that he did. He knew, and I want to tell you, God is 1,000% in charge. He's 1,000% able to keep you and to save you and to continue to save you. He remained faithful. He didn't stray. And he didn't blame God. He didn't go, oh, well, that's it, Lord, you know what? Actually, this is the fairy tale. I've prayed to you and I've done my life and I've taken you know, communion and I've done all these things for you and actually my life still sucks, so I'm just done. Some people do. Some people have. And if I'm honest with you, there's been times in my life where I've been like a little child that actually is going, but God, I've done everything you've asked me to do. Why does this hurt? Why am I in pain? Surely you should be blessing me, not punishing me. And I've pointed my finger at the Lord. And in those times, actually what I've done is I've aligned myself with who? With the accuser of the brethren. I'm actually standing next to Satan, pointing at God and going, but did you say, why are you not faithful? So I want to encourage you, endure with the Lord. Your circumstances will change if you stay in him. If you've pointed your finger up at God and said, why have you forsaken me? Why aren't you blessing my business? Why aren't you blessing my health? Why aren't you blessing my family relationships? I want to say to you, repent of that. Be done with that. God is with you. He promises to be with you. And I want to tell you, it's not my word. It's his word. Let's have a look at Deuteronomy verse 31, 31 verse 8. It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Take a picture. Make a mental note. Write this down. This is a promise from the Lord to you. He says to you, I will be with you. I have gone before you. The things that you still need to face, He's there. Can I tell you that the things, the horrors, the shame, the, the, the pain, he is there already. And his grace is sufficient for you. Hebrews 13, verse 5 to 6. Keep your love free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For, his, for he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. For many of us in this congregation, money is an issue. It is. We don't have enough of it. And what we do have, we're not faithful with it. And here we have the Lord saying to you, very confidently, we can confidently say, I can say to you with confidence, that, oh, sorry, we, yeah. <laughs> there we go. Keep your love free from the love of money. 
Keep free from it. There's not a single one of us that will get buried and take one rand, dollar, euro, pound with us. Your family can dress you in an Armani suit, put a tag here on your arm, stick a thousand dollars in your pocket. It's not going to go with you. It's not going with you. Keep yourself free from that thing. And when you get free from the love of money, actually, you can find peace. Are we to hate money? Are we to despise money? Are we to put ourselves into voluntary vows of poverty? No. Remember the word says that the love of money doesn't say that money is the sin. The love of money. Right? So be content with what you have. So around about this time of the year, this is in my notes. I'm going to give this to you free. Parents, how many of you guys feel pressured to get Christmas presents? Yeah? Thank you for being honest. There's pressure, right? There's almost this thing of my kids expect presents. Because they're going to get back to school in January and they're going to be like, hey, bro, I've got this new buck. Or take my new PlayStation. And something in us feels this pressure as a mom and a dad. And oh my word, I have, to, I have to do this thing, but I actually don't have the money. So what am I going to do? And we start making decisions that are rooted in the love of money. The love of, I don't want to seem like, I don't want my kids to feel like I don't love them. Let me tell you something. If you're teaching your kids that you love them because you buy them stuff, you're teaching them that's what love looks like. Don't fall into the trap. If you have the means to do it, bless them. If you don't have the means to do it, teach them. Hey guys, it's a tough year. It's a tough year. Dad, isn't that a lack of time at work? I'm really sorry. Actually, you know what? This year, we're going to have a nice meal and I'll get you something from the five-rent shop to show you that I love you. But teach your children, man. Otherwise, we bring up these kids that grow up with an expectation. Everything must just come to me. It doesn't matter. They don't learn about the world. And one day, they get into the world and they don't understand. We here as parents, we must teach. Sorry, that is completely off the notes, but I want to help you. I want to help you as parents. Please don't feel that pressure. Don't put yourself into debt because you're trying to pay for a toy that I promise you 99 of those toys are going to end up in a toy box not being played with. It's a trap. Don't go there. Sorry, was that strong? That's very good. Okay. <clears throat> Psalm 55, verse 22. Cast your burden on the Lord and He will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. If you've given your life to the Lord Jesus Christ and you're living in Him, can I say that the Lord will sustain you and He will never permit you, the righteous one, to be moved. It's like your feet have been sunk into cement and the weather can come and the waves can come and the enemy can come and it's bring it because your feet are firm and the righteous shall not be moved. You will not be moved. God is with you. Okay. Second, Joseph consistently chose to do the godly things. He made godly decisions time and time and time again. He in Potiphar's house, he chose, he didn't give in to, to lust. He didn't give in to temptation. Guys, we have temptations all the time. 
It might not always be sexual temptations. Maybe it's to do the wrong thing with your money. It might be to dishonor your wife in front of the boys because you think it's funny. Wives, it might be to disrespect your husband. There's temptation all the time. There's opportunities when we are down and when we are feeling bad to just relinquish. Uh, uh, I'm not going to be part of that. No, actually, you know what? My life is tough at the moment. I'm not, gonna, I'm, not gonna, I'm not taking what I have and going to community. I'm not going to serve. I'm not taking what I have and bringing it to the church and laying it down and saying, Lord, how can I serve you? I don't have all the finances in the world. My marriage is on the rocks. My kids are little terrors. But you know what? I'm going to come and serve you. But Joseph consistently did that. Let's read in Genesis um, 20, uh, 30, 39. As soon as his master heard the words that his wife spoke to him, this is the way your servant treat me, treated me, his anger was kindled. And Joseph's master took him and put him into prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him the steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all of the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. And the keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. Make the right calls. Make the right choices. Even if it seems like it's going to get you thrown in prison, make the right decision. And like that we read there, God was with him. And whatever he did, it succeeded. Sometimes following God and being obedient to him is going to hurt you. It's going to be difficult. It's going to feel unnatural. But keep, if a Bible says it, do it. Follow the word. Go with him. And he will be with us. And the things that you do will prosper. When his brothers came to him with their family's needs, he chose not to smite them. He chose not to repay them and go, is it? So now you come to me. You sold me into slavery all those years back. Do you know what's happened in my life? I got falsely accused of rape. I got thrown in prison. Then a guy came and he forgot about me and then he left and two years later he came back. And I've worked my business off to be here where I am today. And now you have the audacity to come and ask me for food. I should kill the lot of you. Isn't that our response? Isn't that what we would respond? Isn't that perhaps how we are responding in this moment to some of our family and friends? I want to say to you, choose the right path. Come back to what God does. Be gracious. Maybe there's people in your life right now that have hurt you. And, you, and you're wounded. You're traumatized. It's sore. And I understand. I've experienced some of that myself this week. I really have. If I'm honest, I've, I've, I've experienced some of that. My wife had to counsel and encourage me. But ultimately I know that God says... If you cannot forgive, you will not be forgiven. It's not a suggestion. It's not something that's written on a little chappy. It's the word of God. It's serious. And if he says, I have to forgive, I have to forgive. So I can have a little moment. 
But then I need to put that moment aside. And like Joseph, I need to say, you know what? Come back in. Come, come, come. I bless you. I love you. How can I serve you? How do I give you the best? I want to encourage you. Maybe some of the suffering that you're encountering is because you've chosen not to let go. You haven't chosen to let that thing go. And go, actually, you know what? I know you did wrong. And I'm not indemnifying what you've done. But I'm choosing not to hold it against you anymore. Because like we spoke about in the prayer meeting, there's something in us that knows when you... you does anybody not know when they're offended? I'm pretty sure... No. If you don't... Maybe there are some people, maybe they just don't have emotional ranges and they don't know. But you know when you're offended, aren't you? You know. Your, your stomach feels tight and it's like you can't even think about that person's name. You see a Facebook post of theirs and you look at it and you're like, that's probably written straight to me. You're just trying to... And we, and, we, and we hold this thing. We carry it with us. And you know what? We're in prison. We're in prison waiting. Because, and it's a prison we put ourselves in. I want to encourage you today, please be like Joseph. Not only did he forgive them, but he provided for them. And, and Pharaoh said, tell your family they can choose the best land. Even saying it sounds a little bit offensive, eh? that that is the extent that God would ask us to go to. Maybe it's you. Maybe you were the one who did it. Maybe you sold the brother off into slavery. And pride is this, has said, no, nah, I'm not, I'm not going to say sorry. But you don't know what he did to me. Stop. Please stop. If you need to make right to somebody, go and do that. Set yourself free. Get out of the prison today. Get out. Go to your brother. Go and take a knee and say, my brother, I'm sorry. I didn't treat you. I didn't reflect God. I didn't show you what Jesus looked like. I know I'm a Christian and you know I go to, work, go to church and, and you look at me and you go, if that's what a Christian's like, I don't want any part of it. There are some of us that are like that. Might have just been a little word. Might have been something more serious. Joseph made the good choices and the Lord was with him and everything he did succeeded. Is this okay? Need some of that water, please. Sorry, I'm drying up like a Sahara desert. Yeah. Right. Here's the big finish. Joseph saw the big picture. He understood that all the things that happened to him, good and bad, were for the benefit not only of him, but for many, many people. And I'm going to show you where this is in Scripture. If we could go to Genesis 50, verse 19 to 21. But Joseph said to them, he's talking to his brothers. What's happened is his brothers have just come and repented. They've said, I'm oh, sorry, we didn't do right. And he says to them, do not fear, for I am in the place of God. Do you realize what he's saying? He's saying that despite everything that's happened to me and however long, many years it is, he says, so don't be afraid. I'm exactly where God wants me. Isn't that amazing? 
He has a vision that goes, I'm not going to look at all of the things that are happening or have happened to me. Actually, where I am right now, I can see. When I look back over the portrait of my life, I can see what God has done. Next verse, please. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. To bring about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he, what? He comforted them and spoke kindly to them. He saw the big picture and he realized that, okay, maybe I've had some stuff that's happened to me, but actually if you hadn't sold me into slavery, I wouldn't have got into, into Egypt. If I hadn't got into Egypt, I wouldn't have got into Potiphar's house. If I hadn't got from Potiphar's house, I would have got into prison. If I hadn't gone to prison, I would have met the servant, the cupbearer. If I hadn't met the cupbearer, I wouldn't be serving the king and you would all be dead. He saw it. And I want to I I invite you in to the big picture. Look at your life in the big picture and go, hold on, what am I not seeing? You see, because when you're against the coalface, when it's hot and it's, it's heavy, we can't, show, we can't have perspective. We can't have it. Andrew Seely tells a story. How am I doing for time here? Andrew tells a story about his wife, his sister Jeanette, was a very good rock climber. Really, really good. She represented Western Province or whatever. And he tells a story. They went to the beach one day, like remote beach, and, and she was climbing up these rocks. She was up and down and up and down. And he's like, hey, I'm the older brother. I should be able to do this. I'm in good shape. I should be able to get up. And he started climbing, and he got about halfway up. And he was now too far to be able to jump off up but he wasn't far enough to get to the top and he froze. Do you remember the story? He froze. So now he's on this rock face and he's like, whoa, I've got a problem here. And his sister saw obviously there was a problem. She was on the top and she climbed down and she went next to him. She said, what's wrong? He's like, I can't move. I, I'm, I, I can't move. I have no perspective. I don't know where to put my hands, my feet, whatever. She said, don't worry. What I'll do is I'll climb down and then I'll move away a bit and I will tell you where to put your hands. And she said, okay, Andrew, lift your right hand and just move it 30 centimeters to your left. You'll feel a little hook, hook that. Now take that leg and move it across to there. And slowly but surely, because she had distance, because she had separation, and because she had perspective, she could guide him down where he couldn't guide himself down. That's his story. You, uh, you can check it out. And I want to say to you, sometimes we're so close to what's in front of us that we've lost our perspective. We don't see the big picture anymore. We can't understand how could my suffering ever mean something? How could the pain that I'm experiencing ever be for good? How could the way people have treated to me all of my life, rejected me, looked down on me, disrespected me? How could that possibly serve? But if we look at the life of Joseph, he at the end of it, he looked at it and he said, I'm actually glad this all happened. Would it not be a victory in your life if you could look back on all of the things that have happened and go, actually, you know what? Can you go back to verse 19 there for me, please? That we would get to the place where we can look after, Benny, you can look over your life, and Natasha, you can look over your life, and Stephen at the back, and Ryan, and Trevor, and Shane, and you could look at, the, look at all of the things that's happened in your life up until now. You can look at it, and you can say, don't fear. For I am in the place of God. Would it offend you if I told you that, God want you that where you are today is where God wants you? Would that offend you? 
It might. Because the place that you're in might not be liquor. But I want to tell you, your story is not finished. Your story is not finished. Has this been encouraging? Huh? Do you feel encouraged? I want you to feel encouraged because God's telling you today, you are not done. I'm not done with you. There's more for you. And I want to give you tools. Make those good decisions. Know that I am with you. And then finally, have a big picture view of your life. Just because you have a bad day today doesn't mean you're going to have a bad life. Just because you've had a bad life up until today doesn't mean that the rest of your life is bad. Can I just tell thee that? God says, Jeremiah 29, 11, he says, I, I know the plans that I have, have, not had, have for you. Plans for a hope and a future. Plans to prosper and not to harm you. There's a promise that God gives us in advance. He says, I know the plans that I have for you. Can I tell you, sir and ma'am, that you here today? God still has a plan for you. That have hasn't passed. It's not past tense. It's not he had a plan and I blew it. Maybe you're sitting here today and you have blown it. Can I say to you, there's grace. You can run back to him. And he's not going to put you in the naughty corner for 30 minutes to think about what you've done. When we run back to the loving arms of Jesus Christ himself, he says, come. And like the, the father of the prodigal son, he puts a ring on our finger and he puts a robe on us. And he says, come, kill the fattened calf. Let us, let us rejoice. My son is home. My son has come home. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you that our stories are not done. I thank you that we can look at the life of these men and women in the Bible and look at them and they're not just fairy tales. It's not Hansel and Gretel. It's your word. It's men and women who this, walked this earth and suffered through the same things that we suffered through. Faced the same challenges and temptations and burdens that we faced. And they came through. Oh God, would you help us? Help us. Help every man, every woman, every child, every marriage, every single. Help them, Lord. Help us to make those good choices day by day. Help us to know deep inside us that you are with us and that we can endure because you are with us. And finally, Lord, help us to have a big picture view of our lives. That we can look back over our lives actually in retrospect and say, I can see the hand of God in my life. I can see how he saved me there, how he protected me there, how he moved me there. And then we can look forward actually with a measure of hope. Trusting that God actually can break through in our situation. He can provide for you all the things that you need for life and righteousness. He can. And what's more, He wants to. But He invites us into the journey. 
Father, I pray this morning that we would look back over our lives. And if there, if there are areas, and I want you to work with me here, if there are areas where you've had brothers and sisters, maybe flesh, it may be spiritual, and you feel like they've sold you into slavery, you feel like they've sinned against you, I want to ask you in this moment, would you choose to forgive them? Would you choose to let them go? And set yourself free from the prison that you've been in. That prison of unforgiveness. That prison of offense. That prison of hatred. You can do it today. I know there's freedom in this house this moment. There is freedom in this house right now. Do it. Don't hold on anymore. It doesn't need to stay. Let go. Father, would you help us to forgive? Would you help us to set them free, Lord, and even where you call us to, to bless them? Help us. And there might be some of us here today where we've sinned, where we've actually been the offending party, where we've treated people unfairly, where we've been unjust or unkind. We've murdered them with our words. We've gossiped. We've slandered. We've called what God calls precious filth. And maybe we're the ones that need to go and make right. And actually, you know what will happen? Like Joseph did with his brothers, we will set them free. They will come out of a prison. And maybe God will actually reconcile relationships that have been broken. But that might take work. It might actually mean that you need to pick up a phone or get in your car or send a message or however you choose to communicate with that person and say, can I just say to you, I take ownership today of how I mistreated you. I take ownership of what I've done to hurt you. And I'm actually humbling myself before you and asking, would you please forgive me? Would you please choose to release me from this prison so that I can be in the place that God wants me to be? Father, would you help us? Would you help us that need forgiveness to remember to never start to see ourselves as actually deserving of anything? Your salvation is a grace gift. It's given freely so that no man should boast. And as you have forgiven us, so, so Lord, we need to forgive. And as we've asked you for forgiveness, sometimes we need to ask those that we love or loved forgiveness. Would you come and do it? This is powerful, powerful spiritual warfare. When we do these things, we actually are unthroning strongholds. We are tearing down what the enemy has tried to build up.